0: Um, I grew up here in Lake Oswego. I went to Lake Ridge High School, um, graduated in '95, and so to me, uh, it's it's a real joy, honor, and a weird full circle uh, kind of a moment for me to to be here. Uh, I Used to play football across the street back before Lake Ridge had their own. Man, I feel old. Uh, before Lake Ridge had their own uh, uh, field and. Um, so just driving here this morning just brought back a lot of memories. Uh, for a while, my family and I went to Mountain Park, went to Rolling Hills. Um, so for me, part of, part of the honor to be here this morning is to um, continue to watch God work in the lives of men and, um, and, and to be a part of this. Um, I got two disclaimers before I tell you a little bit more about my story. First disclaimer is, uh, right now, I currently feel like God is challenging me to challenge all the men all the time. So in, throughout my talk this morning, I hopefully will say, and a challenge to you, it's not because I'm awesomer or I know more or I have more experience. It's just I don't want to get struck by lightning on my way home today. Okay, so I just feel like God's calling me to challenge all the men all the time. So I want to do that and honor God and, and hopefully challenge you. My second disclaimer at the beginning is the talk I'm going to share about, I've not shared um, with a group of, of people yet. And so it's, it's so new. It's happening yeah, kind of currently. So I don't really have like a uh, ending line that's going to like maybe have you go, wow, that was a really good talk. Because I'm, I'm in it. I'm still kind of learning it. I'm still kind of like trying to figure it out even this morning, still trying to figure it out. So, so my hope is that you come to your own conclusion on what God wants you to have a conclusion about. So I believe we, we serve and follow a God whose spirit um, moves and is involved in our lives. And so um, don't look for me to put a bow and package this thing up well and deliver it to you. I challenge you to do that, challenge you to find what you need to hear out of this morning's talk. Um, I hope that it's encouraging. Um, but actually, more importantly, I hope, I hope it's challenging um, to you and, and to me as well. I might even take my own notes um, as I talk this morning. So, yeah, I grew up uh, here in, uh, in Lake Oswego. Um, I ha- had a couple good high school football games. There ha- ha- happened to have been a couple of scouts there, so I got an offer to play football at Oregon State. I was not the punter, if you're wondering. <laughs> I was the placeholder for the... <laughs> PATS, and in fact, in those days, there wasn't a lot of extra points. So I didn't really play a lot um, in, in college. And so, uh, but something, two awesome things happened while I, I spent my time at Oregon State. The first is my freshman year of, of college. A couple buddies uh, said, hey, we should start a Bible study, which then I said, why would we want to start a Bible study? This is our freshman year in college. We kind of want to not do uh, what the Bible says. Uh, but they said, no, we should do it. I said, so, ah, fine. So we started this uh, small, group of Bible, small group of men, this Bible study. Um, man, by the end of our sophomore, or end of our freshman year, we had 250 guys and gals showing up um, to, to our Bible study. The next year, uh, we decided to keep going, and we had close to 500 college students showing up to our Bible study. And so I learned a lesson very quickly on in my early, uh, early, uh, late teens, early 20s, that when a group of men show up with a desire to follow God and live like God is real, God can do amazing things. Cause we were a bunch of screw up Yahoo, 18 and 19 year olds. And we had hundreds of college kids coming to not hear us, but coming to see what God was doing in and through us. And it was super humbling. And, uh, and it's kind of been my journey ever since. That's kind of how God broke me into ministry. And that's kind of what I've been doing, um, ever since. And so the second great thing that happened at Oregon state is I met my wife. She grew up in Clackamas. Um, and 14 months after we met, we got married. 14 months after we got married, we had our first daughter. 14 months after our first daughter, we had our second daughter. And I was like, wait, I I think I know what's going on here. Um, we have like a family now. Like, how did that happen? And so, um, we were living in Lake Oswego and right after our third daughter was born, um, God called us to plant a church in Bend, Oregon, because why wouldn't God call anybody to plant a church in Bend, Oregon? Because Bend, Oregon is awesome. And so we, uh, we packed up our three daughters and, uh, called up a couple buddies. One I played football with at Oregon State and, uh, we all moved to Bend and, and we planted a church. And, um, and I was the lead teaching pastor of this, this, uh, this church plant for about three years, and that grew. And then we were able to go um, and merge in with another church called Antioch for six and a half years. And so I was a pastor and elder and community life there, and, and we had our son there in Bend, Oregon. And then about four years ago, God does what he does every once in a while. Um, he, he calls us to something we never thought we would do, and that was to leave Bend, Oregon, and to uh, take our, our kids and, um, and move to, uh, to West Lynn, where we ended up in West Lynn. And um, so as Mike said, I'm currently one of the pastors um, at a church in West Lynn. Love it. It's a great church, just like this church. Um, God's doing a lot of stuff in and through it. And so it's fun to be a part of about it, part of what God's doing. But at the core of everything we're seeing, I think, um, is, is a desire for men to live like God is real a desire for men to wake up every day and say, there needs to be something bigger to my life than what I want out of today. That we would wake up daily and go, what does God want from me? And how do I walk humbly with this amazing God today? What does that look like? So i want to start off by uh, asking you a question. Have you ever been awoken to a new reality? Have you ever been awoken to something new? Maybe we can take that to sports. Maybe you wake up one day and you realize your head football coach just up and quit. Maybe that's a reality. Um, Maybe you woke up one day and realized your quarterback broke a collarbone, and that's a different reality. Okay, that's sports. That's not really us. What about in business? Have you ever woken up to the moment you realize this company's not going to last? Have you ever woken up to the moment you realized they just fired me? Well, that's a different trajectory. What about with your kids? Have you ever woken up to the moment you're not as great of a parent as you thought you were? You get that phone call. You you have to show up to that situation and you realize it's your kid that's to blame? What about in your marriage? Have you ever woken up to the moment you're not as good of a husband as you thought you were? Well, that's what I want to talk about. The moment recently where I was awoken to the moment my wife was letting me know I was not the most amazing husband I thought I was. So months ago when Mike and I met, Um, For coffee, you know, and invited me to do this right away. I said, yes, love River West. Anything I can do to support these guys. You guys are doing great stuff. I'm in. Let's go. He's like, well, what would you want to talk about? And I was like, well, you know, discipleship, men's community. I love it. And he's like, yeah, what else? And I go, well, well, recently, Mike, to be honest, um, I've awoken to the reality. I'm not a great husband. He's like, that's it. Let's do that. (laughs) And then he goes, my men will love that. I'm like, wait, What does that mean about, anyways, so, and it's been, it's been, it's actually been therapeutic for me months ago to know this morning I'd be here sharing on this topic because it's caused me to be a lot more reflected, reflective in my thinking and my processing and in my praying to figure out how did I go from feeling I was a great husband to realizing I'm not a great husband to this morning going like, we're actually doing really well. And there's a cool redemptive story that God's been doing in my own heart and in my marriage. The moment you realize your marriage is in trouble. I just want to give you a a quick disclaimer. Um, This sentence will really help you out later. If you know later today, your wife is going to be like, so so, so what, what happened at the breakfast? Here's what you got to say. Write this down. You're off the hook. This guy, my name doesn't matter at that point. This, this is what you tell your wife later. This guy spoke on the moment you awaken to the reality you might be able to do a better job as a husband. Just tell your wife that. Just hey, what would you? Well, this guy, I don't remember his name, whatever. This guy talked about I might be able to be a better husband. You're set for days, days. Later today, she'll be sitting next to somebody else at the soccer game or volleyball game, and your wife will, like, go to another wife, like, hey, did your husband go to the men's ref? Yeah, he did. Oh, well, I heard about this. They're, like, they're going to try to be better husbands. And you'll be like, and you're over here, and you're just, you're just doing your thing, like, and your wife's going to look at you and be like, oh, he's thinking about being a better husband. You're not. <laughs> you're thinking fantasy football. You're solving world debt. You're trying to figure things out. But hey, use that line. And maybe, maybe challenge yourself today. Maybe. Maybe I could could do a better job. And maybe it's not marriage. Maybe the reality you're going to be awoken to comes later today, tomorrow, next month. Or maybe you know very specifically, three days ago, I was awoken to a new reality. And it might not be marriage, but it's going to be something. So how do we handle that? How do we process that? What does that actually look like? Well, I'll tell a little bit more of my story. I turned 40 a a year ago. A year ago, I turned 40. And I decided that I was going to get in the best shape of my life. Which as a 40-year-old, that's just an arrogant thing to think since you're pretty in shape in high school and college. But anyways... So I went on a journey to be in the best shape I could be in. I made some decisions. I decided to set my schedule. I spent some family money that I could justify. I no longer went to bed the same time my wife did. I got up early. I was doing a me plan. I just said a lot of I's. I just said a lot of me's. And that's exactly what got my marriage in trouble. I decided to do a me thing. Now, under the umbrella of get in shape, I could justify a lot of things. But I had got to the point where I stopped pursuing my wife and I started pursuing something else. Now, that something else wasn't wrong. It wasn't another woman. It wasn't um, a big career change. It wasn't, I'm going to make a million dollars. It wasn't anything crazy or outlandish, but it was a decision I made, a path I went down. And it didn't work well for us, for we, the family unit. And so at the end of the summer, my wife and I spent a week serving at our middle school camp. And I was like still on this fitness kick. And I would watch fitness documentaries instead of hang out with her. And I would get up early and go running. And I would do burpees in the little cabin. I was spending a lot of time on me. You'd call it a hobby. You could call it a a whatever. But I had realized over the last five months that my wife had got more distant. She was kind of avoiding me. and, And honestly, I was kind of avoiding her. She wanted to go spend more time away with her parents, and I was totally fine with that. We didn't really connect. We didn't really talk. We didn't really have those real deep, meaningful conversations anymore. And, you know, 18, married, 18 years of marriage, we hadn't been in a spot like this before. I realized my, my marriage is in trouble. This isn't as awesome as it used to be. <clears throat> and so, after this week of, of serving camp, she, she drove on to uh, pick her pick our son up um, from Central Oregon. And so, I had a couple days to myself. And um, it got so bad, you guys. I wrote a list. I titled my list Seven Ways My Wife Could Do a Better Job of Being a Wife." I, I actually I appreciate the laughter. Because that is how Atlant- just crazy it was. And I was two days away, I was two days away from sitting my wife down and revealing this list to her of seven ways she could do a better job of being my wife. And that list was awesome. There was passion behind that list. If she was going to know. She was going to be awoken. God was going to convict her. And she's going to be like, babe, you're right. Oh my gosh, especially point three, ah, oh, you are so awesome. And I'm just not. No. Nah. So I'm going to pause my story there. I want to talk about a biblical character named Simon Peter. Simon Peter in Luke chapter 5 is out doing his fishing thing. And Jesus rolls up on the scene and Jesus says, Hey, Simon, get in the boat and let's push out into the deep. And out into the deep, Simon Peter sees Jesus do something that he had never seen a grown man do before. And that was catch a crazy amount of fish. The catch was so big. It took two boats to haul in this miracle that Jesus had done. And Simon Peter's mind was blown. And so Simon Peter left everything and he followed this Jesus for three years. And on this amazing adventure, Simon Peter got to see Jesus heal people. Simon Peter got to see Jesus feed thousands of people. Simon Peter even got to walk on water for a little bit. Simon Peter had an amazing adventure with Jesus. Then something crazy happened. Jesus was arrested. Jesus put on trial, Jesus was crucified, Jesus died, and Simon Peter didn't know what to do. We pick the story up in Mark chapter uh, chapter 14, verse 66. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls, a girl, a little girl, servant girl of the high priest came and seeing Peter warm himself, she looked at him and said, you also were with the Nazareth Jesus. But he denied it saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went on into the gateway and the rooster crowed and the servant girl saw him again And began again to say, to the, to the bystanders, this man, this Simon Peter, this guy is one of them. And again, he denied it. We go on and we know the story that Simon Peter denied Jesus. Knowing Jesus. Denied knowing Jesus three times. And after the third time, the rooster crowed. And scripture tells us that Simon Peter wept. He was alone. Simon Peter found himself in isolation. This awesome adventure with Jesus was over. And here's where Simon Peter struggled. Here's exactly where I struggled. Simon Peter, my identity was shaken. I thought I was a great husband. I realized I was not a great husband. Simon Peter thought he was going to follow Jesus forever. Reality was shaken. His identity was shaken. I had that moment of realization like, oh, my marriage is not doing well. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of burden. There's a lot of pain in that realization. Simon Peter had so much fear and anxiety, he was lying to a little girl. He was alone. He was making foolish mistakes. If you don't know Jesus, if you're not currently walking with the Lord, everything I've described so far is not God's heart for us. God does not want us to struggle with our identity. God does not want us to struggle in isolation. It is not the heart of God that we are stressed and living in fear and struggling and carrying the burden of things. That is not the God of the Bible. That is not his heart for you. And so I don't know where you guys came from as far as spiritual. Maybe you believe in God. Maybe you don't believe in God. But please, in my experience of life, I know that this point The moment we realize it's not going as awesome as we thought, God wants to intervene. God wants to show up. God wants to help. And so this is what happened to Simon Peter, and then I'll share the rest of my story. What happened with me? So in John chapter 21, Jesus just cooks this amazing breakfast, most organic meal ever created, and. He cooks this breakfast with these men and then he pulls Simon Peter to to a side. So Jesus has died. Now he's ascended. He's conquered death. He's paid for our sins. He is victorious. And he pulls Simon Peter aside and he three times says, do you love me? Yes, I love you, Jesus. Feed my sheep. Simon Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Tend my sheep. Simon Peter, do you love me? Yes, Jesus, you know that I love you. Then follow me. Attend my sheep. Serve my people. Jesus steps in to restore the relationship as only Jesus can. So as you struggle, as I struggle, as we find ourselves in that moment that this is not the reality I thought, we need to take a step back and say, God, I need your help. Jesus, I need you to redeem this relationship God, help me understand where I went wrong. And so Jesus restores Simon Peter. Why? Because Jesus wasn't done with Simon Peter. Jesus had not finished his meaningful work in and through the life of Simon Peter. Think about that. God is not done with you. God is not finished with you. He has more meaningful things ahead for you to do. Missions that you don't even know yet. Adventures that you can't even fathom yet. Exciting works that you get to partner with the living God to live in. He wants to restore that marriage. He wants to restore that relationship with that child, with that family member, with that career, maybe with that business. God is in the business of restoring relationships. That's what the Bible is all about. So back to my story. My wife was away for a couple days. I'm home. Got my list of seven things. I'm unpacking our luggage. And there at the bottom of the luggage, I realize we never hammocked. You see, years before, my wife and I would take this portable, awesome hammock, and we would hammock. We've set it up on the beaches in Maui. We've set it up at camps and in parks. And this hammock, you know, you know what a hammock, you know, one tree, one tree, hammock. This hammock was where we would talk. It's where we would connect. It's where we would laugh, watching me try to get out or trying me to get into the hammock. At the bottom of this bag was an unused hammock. And God used that moment to help me realize I had stopped pursuing my wife. I had made the last year about me and what I wanted. And it wasn't her that turned her back and walked away. It was me who stopped pursuing her, stopped engaging with her. I stopped talking to her. I stopped asking about her and her life and her fears and her frustrations and her stresses and all of the things. That were about her. So, she she came back. We went to coffee. There was a lot of tears. I don't know Have you ever been at a coffee shop where your wife's crying. It's so like mad at you. She's like, I don't want to be here. That happened to me. So we finished the conversation in the car. That was a, that was a new reality. I've made my wife cry in public so hard. She just can't can't be here anymore. So we finished the conversation in the car. And the conversation went something like this. I've messed up. I made a mistake. Babe, you wouldn't even believe it, but I've created a list of seven things. None of those are important anymore. None of those matter. If I love you, then I will serve you. If I love you, I will follow after what God's calling us to do. If I love you, if I actually love you, my life will reflect that I love you. Same with Simon Peter. Do you love me? Yeah. Then live like you love me, Jesus would say. Live like you love me. So since that conversation, it's gone a lot better. Not because I'm awesome. It's because I realized every day I need to serve my wife. And so I kind of flipped the script. Instead of that seven ways, I actually listed out 22 ways I can love my wife better. And every day, the, the night before I go to bed, I try to write number four and number eight are number one and number 12. And my goal every day is to try to love my wife better the next day. And I put little boxes. And when I knock off, hey, today I did number three, I check that box because I'm pursuing my wife. My whole schedule has changed. This fall, I said, hey, what do we want our schedule to be like in the morning? So I'm working out less in the morning. I'm more engaged with her. We're that couple now that walks at 5.40 5.40 in the morning in the dark with our dog. I'm that guy now. I'm that guy who's like getting up, harnessing the dog, like finding flashlights. And we're like walking Old River Road, 5.40 in the morning on a Tuesday. It's raining and we're just talking and laughing. And it's, just, it's way better than doing burpees. It really is. It's because I'm pursuing her as Christ has pursued me. Because God is in the business of restoring relationships. So my identity was shaken, but Jesus has restored the relationship. I was in deep fear of my marriage, but God has cut through the fog of fear with faith. I was in isolation. I was like Adam. I was married, but alone. Before God made Eve for Adam, Adam was alone. Now, that's not a slam on on single men, but I was married alone. I was Adam, and there was an Eve for me, but I went on my own path, and I left Eve for herself. And in isolation but I realized that community is the cure. Community with God, healthy community with myself, and a healthy community with others have been the three things that have pulled me out of my isolation. I'm actually praying in a real authentic way with God. I'm looking inward to say, how am I doing mentally, spiritually, emotionally? How is my wife doing mentally, spiritually, emotionally? And what kind of community do we have? Who are we pacing with? Who are we running with? Who is in our sphere of influence? God is in the business of challenging his men. And one of the biggest challenges God has given married men is to pursue their wives. And to love their wives. And to not talk about it, but to daily say it and daily show it. That was a challenge for me. Still is a challenge for me. I challenge myself in that every day. To challenge myself to be the husband that my wife needs me to be. So the idea that our God challenges us to live for him causes us to sacrifice. I'm going to throw out a couple questions for you to think about and then I'll throw out two questions for you to ponder at your table. You don't need to write this down, but just think about it in your own mind. What is the sacrifice you know God is asking you to make? that you just haven't been willing to make? What's that cost? What's that sacrifice? What's that thing you, you, okay, I know I need to stop doing that or I know I need to start doing that. What's that thing, that sacrifice? That In some way, somehow it's hindering your relationship with him. Or tendering your relationship with others, what's that thing? And and really thought too, really can you keep justifying it? Can you really keep justifying it? Or do you just you know it's just time to quit it? It's just it's just time for it to go. It's not bringing anything fruitful or meaningful to your life or your relationships. All right, here's the questions I want you guys to ponder and discuss at your table. I don't know if you know the guys at your table. At this point, it doesn't matter. You're going to talk to them. Hopefully you remember their name, and if you don't remember their name, that's totally fine. They probably don't know yours either. Okay? So we're going to give you guys some time to answer some questions at your table. The first question I want to ask you guys goes back to the moment you awoken recently within the last six months, recently what's something you've awoken to that has been a new reality. Now don't give me that faith from 12 years ago. That doesn't cut it here. Recently could be something big. It could be just a little mind shift, a little change, a little new reality could have to do with current events. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe just as a parent. So recently, what have you been awoken to? That is new. It's a challenge. It's different. It's a new way to think. It's a new way to live. It's a new thought. Okay? And the second thing I'd love for you to discuss is for you to cut through the fog of fear, what's that faith going to actually look like? We serve a God. The God of the Bible does not want us to live in fear because fear is actually a fog. It's a vapor. It's a mist. Fear is not a real thing. We can get crippled by fear, but fear actually isn't a thing. So we cut through the fog of fear with faith. Simon Peter put his faith back in Jesus. I needed to put my faith back in God to help restore the marriage that I needed to have. What is your fear Great, cool, you can identify it. More importantly, what's that piece of faith? What what does that look like? What do you need to do? What do you need to apply? Is it a mindset? Is it an action? Is it an action step? Is it something to do? That faith. All right. That's what I got. Let me pray for us one more time and then we'll kick it to your tables. God, you are a good God and you desire us to be in a meaningful relationship with you. But so often we get sidetracked. So often we take a path that maybe is not the intended path that's best for all parties involved. So Lord, we repent of that. We ask for forgiveness. We believe that you love us. We believe that you want us to be healthy, mind, body, and soul. And so Lord, in the midst of us being healthy, You've created community. You've created other men who are on a similar path. And so Lord, now I pray that we would learn, we would grow, we would be sharpened by these guys at our tables, and we'd be real and we'd be honest and we could have a conversation that actually was meaningful enough to challenge our lives. That this morning's time would actually be more fruitful at our tables than listening to me speak. So God, help us to be authentic, Help help us to not solve each other's problems, but to listen and be encouraging. God, thank you for these men. Thank you that there are men who desire to love you and not just say it, but show it by being here this morning. Thank you in Jesus' name, amen.